What an honor it is to be chosen. Amen. And God decided not to use animals or buildings or trees, but to use us to be a testimony to him, to the world. And, and he not only chose us, but he has enabled us. Amen. He is all we'll ever need. Thank God for all of the music today. What a blessing it's been. Our hearts should be ready. Somebody say, I'm ready. Philippians chapter number one. If you are, let's go there in the word of God. Philippians chapter number one, the first chapter in Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, reminding us that this letter is written by the man of God from jail, going through his own set of burdens himself, and yet fully resolute in joy. I hope you're not so in tune on finding Philippians that you miss what I said. I said he's in jail with joy. How you doing? Because you're in church. I said Paul was in jail. You're in church. Pastor, I'm broke, but you're in church. Pastor, I'm going through some sick. Yeah, but you're in church. But Pastor, I, I got a set of circumstances I left in the car. They, they, they going to be there when I get back. Yeah, but you're in church. I mean, the Spirit of the Lord is in this place. Where's your joy? Did you leave that in the car too? Paul, Paul, Paul really, he just annihilates our long list of excuses when he writes from jail about joy. And the reason why he annihilates our excuses is because Joy is based on Jesus, and trials can't take my Jesus. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, anybody a servant in here say amen? amen. To all the saints in Christ Jesus, anybody a saint in here say amen. amen. If you couldn't say amen, we'd be glad to help you with that. We'd like to tell you how to get saved, because being a saint is just being saved. Amen. In Christ Jesus, at Philippi. Anybody in here at Philippi? Good job. Anybody in here in Bailey's Crossroads? That's you. The saints at Bailey's Crossroads. With the bishops or the pastors and the deacons. What did he give them? Number one, grace be unto you. And what? How many of you been running with that this week? <laughs> There's enough to go around. Thank you, Lord. Where you get it from? From God our Father. How was it financed? From the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, somebody say amen. We're going to verse 3. <laughs> Don't say it out loud. You think, I didn't think we were going to ever get to verse 3. Yeah, because you needed more grace and peace. Come on now. I mean, so no, we needed all them lessons on grace and peace. Sure we did. And we're still struggling with some of them. But we're going to move on. we got to get to the rest of the chapter. Great verse. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. And I may even get to verse 4. Always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with what? There it is again. It's like he's rubbing it in. 
You want to you want to you want to try verse five? I mean, you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna make a request with joy, somebody you're making a request with joy about must be doing something to make you joyful, huh? So we got to get verse five to explain why verse four exists. Why? For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. You trying to make somebody happy? You trying to give somebody joy? Get involved in the work of God. That's what's happening in Philippi. Yeah. Paul's getting joy from, from jail because of Jesus. Amen. But he's also getting joy from jail because of those who are following Jesus. Don't you want to help somebody have joy in his trial? Don't you want to help somebody have joy in her trial? Well, if you don't have money to send them, why don't you just live for God? And maybe while they're struggling, they'll think about you and get happy that while they're struggling, you're living for God. Let the church say amen. Father, and thy blessing to the reading of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. More and more, more and more, that your love will abound more and more. That's what verse 9 said. That's what, that's what Paul was wishing. That's what Paul was praying. That's what Paul was desiring. That, that, that's what Paul was aspiring to happen in the church at Philippi. These were believers that he loved. These, these were folks that were lost when he got there. These, these were folks that were just, just wandering around as sheep having no shepherd when he arrived in the city. And then he got there and gave them a message. Paul, what did you give Philippi? I'll tell you what I gave him. I gave him the same thing that got me right, the gospel. Amen. Acts chapter 9, he's on the road to Damascus. He runs into Jesus. He accepts the fact Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. His life was forever changed in every city, every town, every conversation. Even when he entered the synagogue where the Jews were bent wholly on the law and Judaism, Paul shared the gospel. Are you looking for something to tell every single person you meet that works on every single person you encounter? I'll give you a message that works from here all the way to Kalamazoo and back. It's the gospel. I wonder why we spend time talking about stuff we disagree. We argue about politics. We don't agree on sports. We, some people like it salty. Some people like it bland. Some people like meat. Some people are vegetarian. Some people like Chinese. Some people like Indian. Some people like American. Some people, listen, listen. But there's one message. No matter who you meet, no matter what they speak, no matter where they're from, no matter what their culinary preferences are, there's one message that you share with every single person that will work on that person, and that's the gospel. And here Paul gave it in Philippi, and folks got saved. Somebody say amen. They'll get saved on your job. They'll get saved in your neighborhood. They'll get saved at your family reunion. Uh huh, them uncles with them red cups. They need the gospel. Maybe you have a cup. You need it too. Amen. The gospel, not the cup. And so they got saved, and the church got planted, and now he's writing back to them. And, and he begins this, this letter with an individual greeting, and we spent some time talking about this greeting for several weeks because Paul's going to, to let them know as he gathers who he is. I'm a servant. That's his self-classification. Who they are, they're a congregation made up of lay people and leaders. He gives them a state of consolation. That's what we talked about for weeks, grace and peace, grace and peace, grace and peace. If you're going to abound more and more, you need grace and peace. Listen, you can't grow in the Lord on your own. Listen to me. Look how long you've been saved, how many ministries you've served. Yeah, I don't care what your position is at Crossroads Baptist Church. If you're growing in the Lord, you need grace and peace. If you're living in this crazy world, 
trying to live Jesus in a world that's, that's all together against him, in a world that can't figure out right from wrong, just absolutely clueless when it comes to morality and modesty and, and ministry. Listen to, if you're going to do right in this crazy world in 2024, you need grace and peace. And Paul says, I've got good news, Philippians. You not only need it, you got it. And it came from the best place, the only place it can come from. It came from God. He originated it. Amen. It came through Jesus. He operates it. Aren't you glad that grace and peace, and everybody's bidding it to people who don't even know what it means. Aren't you glad for those of us that are saved, we have grace, we have peace, we can live by grace, we can live in peace, we got it from God, Jesus paid for it, and it's enough to help us abound more and more. Amen. So he gets verse number three, and he moves on today, and I'd love to move on today from the individual greeting. to what I call individual gratitude. Individual gratitude. He, he, he begins with an introductory greeting and continues with individual gratitude. What, what do you mean individual gratitude? Because he's using some personal language here in verse number three, and, and, and gratitude, before it can ever be collective, has to be individual. Notice what he begins in verse number three saying, I thank, and he says, my, amen. Verse number four, always in every prayer of mine. Listen to me. He says, I, I, I'm an individual and, and I'm grateful. Can I tell you that one of the signs of the end times, Romans chapter one, uh, Timothy heard this from Paul, talking about perilous times. Romans 1, talking about in, in the days when, when men turn their back on God and how culture will be. One of the staples of the end times, here it is, is unthankfulness. It's hard to get a thank you anywhere. And, 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 and listen, the best place to practice gratitude is with the people you're around all the time. So you, when you get around other people, you just keep practicing it. Amen. I mean, if, if your wife fixes something for you, I'll say thank you. If your husband does something for you, I'll say thank you. If your parents do something for you, it's hard to get a, it's hard to buy a thank you. Get yourself stuck at the door at the mall because you just happen to open the door trying to be gracious, gracious and courteous. You'll be there for 10 minutes. And if you let it close, they might cuss you out. I mean, don't you think somebody walked through the door to say thank you? Some of you came in this morning and someone was opening the door and, or, you, or you sat beside someone or someone was a blessing to you. It, it's gratitude. And by the way, gratitude doesn't count if it's not expressed. People say all the time, oh, you don't know how much I appreciate you. Well, I would if you told me. And I'm not saying that about me personally that they say it to me all the time, but, but how many of you have heard people tell you just how much they feel about you, just how much they think about you? I, I tell you what, you wouldn't believe. I'm, it's amazing. You find out from other people how somebody is appreciative of you because that person didn't actually tell them. You said, oh, I heard you made a good meal at your house the other day. Well, they didn't tell me. So, so we, we've got to understand what's going on here in, in Philippians. This is a man who's living for God. This is a man who's preaching out his calling. This is the man who's living in his purpose. This is a man who's walking according to what God has called him to and his obedience to God, his life of Christianity, his preaching the word of God, his walking out his purpose has landed him in jail. Please listen today. You stop letting somebody tell you that if you live for God, nothing bad will ever happen to you. Sometimes it's happening to you because you live for God. 
Somebody's going to dislike what you say. Somebody's going to get mad about what you do. Somebody's going to get annoyed about your Christianity. Somebody's going to get ticked off because you live for God. They live for the devil and it's okay. You live for God and that's a big problem. Paul is in jail because he lived for God. But he's in jail while he's living for God and he's still got joy because he knows you can take me out of the world and put me behind bars, but you can't take my Jesus from me. Come on, somebody say amen today. But he's getting joy from another source. Because his imprisonment has disallowed him to be out there living out his calling as he'd like to as an apostle. But he's sitting in a cell and he's getting excited because even though he can't be out there doing what he wants to do, People in Philippi are. Now I want you to think today. I want you to think about somebody whose circumstances have handicapped him. Somebody whose circumstances has them sick and shut in. Somebody whose circumstances has them laid up in the hospital. Somebody whose circumstances has them financially incapable of giving the way they'd like to. Somebody whose circumstances has their marriage falling apart. Someone whose circumstances has a prodigal in their family. Someone whose circumstances don't, won't allow them to do what they used to do for God because circumstantially they just can't do it. You can't change their circumstances because you're not God. You can't go to the hospital and get somebody off that hospital bed. You can't go to their house and make that sick and shut-in person be able to stand up and walk. You don't have enough money to solve the financial crisis that every single person is going through. You can't go and lasso a prodigal back home. You can't make two people separated come back together and fall in love. But I'll tell you something you can do. In the middle of their circumstances, in the middle of their trials, you can determine, even though they can't do what they'd like to do, if I've got the power to do what God wants me to do, I'm going to be faithful because my faithfulness will bring joy to somebody whose circumstances won't allow them to be as faithful as they'd like to be. I'm saying, I'm saying if you're not sick and shut in, if you're not if you're not providentially uh, disallowed, if you're not in the point where you can't get, if you're not laying up in a hospital bed, if you're not incapable of serving, listen, I'm saying if you got the health, you got the strength, and you got the ability, you need to have your saved self in church so that you can encourage people who want to be here and can't get here. And I'm talking to those online too. By the way, I appreciate our tech team last week. I, you know, I was elated, absolutely elated, when I was recollecting the the phenomenon that here our services through sermon audio are. I told you last week are aired in 63 countries where people are tuning in to listen to our services and and the preaching that comes from this church. That's not bragging on me. That's bragging on God. Well, I got home yesterday, I got home last week, and the tech team told me, so, Pastor, we, we researched, sorry, there's not 63 countries, there's 141 countries. So my, my data was a little outdated. 140, we don't, it could be just one person in, in one of those countries, but good gracious, a lot. The gospel is going to 141, watch it, from Bailey's Crossroads. Crossroads. 
That's enough that you ought to be here in your place every week doing your job because somebody is leaning on your service to God to sustain them while theirs is disallowed. Some people are not here because they can't be here. Some people aren't here because they won't be here. And some people don't end up being here the hard way. Listen, I buried some people that wouldn't come to church. But the day I buried them, they were here. My granddaddy used to say all the time to people, what are they going to say about you at your funeral if you never served God? You have in church. Don't, don't, don't put the pastor looking for words to come up with. Paul had something good to say about the people at Philippi while he was in prison. Listen, you, you remember John? John was getting older in his third letter at the end of the New Testament. The Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, first New Testament. Get to the end of the New Testament. First John, second John, third John, the elder John, elder as a position of pastor, elder as a, a stage in life. He's older in life. How many know when you get older, uh, the body starts breaking down? Do I have a few witnesses in the building? Uh, 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 you know, and listen, it, it don't matter what stage you get at. I mean, even some of you 16, 17, 18-year-olds are now 22, 23, talking about, I'm getting old. I mean, once you cross them, some, some, you know, the, the young guys say, why don't you play football again? I say, it's not playing football that bothers me. It's recovering afterwards <laughs> that bothers you. You know, and after a while, when you go out there and do something that your wife tell you not to do, she won't rub you down with no being gay or nothing afterwards. I tell you not to go out there. You know, so, so, so this is the, when, listen, listen, the mind gets weary when you get older, right? I mean, read Ecclesiastes. I mean, just stuff start breaking down. My parents say they used to have a competition in the morning, find out which one had more bones that hurt, you know. And, uh, you know, I had older people tell me, said, I didn't even know I had that body part until I woke up and it was hurting, all right. I mean, you can't hear and teeth start falling out and I mean, your hair start falling out and all these things start happening. And listen to me, you, your body doesn't feel right and you, and you start getting wounded and, and things are hot. Listen, there's a leak in this old building, the songwriter said, and my soul got to move. Thank God I'm moving to a building not made by man's hand. Listen to me. We have an earthly tabernacle that's going to be dissolved, but we have one in the heavens that's been fashioned. Almighty God, we're going to get a new body one day. But in that age when you start living and you get older in life or you, you go through, John said, I'm older, but as I'm an older man and I'm thinking and I'm looking back and my body doesn't feel like it used to feel, I start thinking about Gaius. And when I think about Gaius, I remember Gaius when he got saved and Gaius when he got discipled and Gaius being faithful. And I remember when I pastored Gaius and now I'm a long ways away from Gaius but I heard it through the grapevine that even though I'm not close to Gaius I'm not in church with Gaius I'm not pastoring Gaius I'm a long ways away from Gaius but somebody told somebody that told somebody that told somebody that told somebody that told me Gaius still serving God so you do right you ain't just doing right for you you're doing right to encourage somebody that's what's happening here this is a personal response. Verse number three, I thank my God. Whew. I thank my God. I'm trying to ask you, does your life make somebody thank their God? This is a personal response, but this is a pleasant remembrance. I thank my God. Look at the words, verse three. Upon what? Everywhere. 
Mm. Come on, let's stop thinking about people right now. Let's start thinking about ourselves. Because right about now, we're about to go, mm. I know somebody, the sooner they come to my mind, I just get these feelings inside of me. I can see them. I can hear their name. I can look at them. I can hear somebody else that has a name similar to them. You know what that means? That person has done something to you to hurt you, something adverse to you, something negative to you. That person, you have had an interaction with that person that causes a negative reaction when you remember them. Paul said, I'm in jail. I'm in jail. I'm locked up and I'm locked down. But every time them Philippians hit my mind, I thank God. on my knees early this morning praying through the names of the members of Crossroads Baptist Church. What came to my mind when I prayed for you? It's been a long time since I saw him. Is she still a member? Sure wish they'd get back in church. Well, how about this? Boy, boy, I tell you. Boy, I sure love to hear him sing. Boy, 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 what a blessing she is. Boy, 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 I tell you what. Her spirit is refreshing. Oh, oh, what a giver that person. Oh, I love to hear that person testify. Oh, that person did something for my family when I was laid up in the hospital. Oh, that person has been a blessing. Oh, that, 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 that deacon is such a blessing in his family. Oh, I love to hear that person preach. Oh, that person just behind the scenes has a generous heart. Oh, I can't wait to give that person a hug. Listen, I'm just trying to tell you, my friend, every single day your life is a file that will be located at someone's most circumstantially adverse time. What are you loading the file with? It's a personal remembrance. It's a personal response. It's a, it's a pleasant remembrance. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Every time the Philippians crossed his mind, he thanked God. You got to be living right if you make somebody thank God when they think about you. Ain't nobody thanking God when they think about you if you're living like the devil? What, 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 what do you do? Help us now. See, see, if you want somebody to thank God when they think about you, 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 you can't just concentrate on your little two-hour church. If they're going to thank God every time they think about you, then guess what? What you do on your job matters. What you do in your school matters. What you do in your ministry matters. What you post on social media matters if they're going to thank God every time they think about you. It's a prayer for reoccurrence. I'm rounding the corner. You've lived so right. You, you've lived so right. You bring, me, you bring gratitude from me to God. And I'm praying for you. Look at the, look at the, look at the, the language in verse number four. Always in what? 
Say it again. Always in what? Always in what? Here's what Paul's saying. I make a habit of talking pleasantly to God about you. When God and I are having our private conversations, I get happy when I bring up your name to him. Always in every prayer, always in every prayer, always in every prayer, always in every prayer, always in every prayer. Paul said, listen to me, when I get down on my knees, when I get down on my knees, I'm talking to God, and I'm talking to God about you, Philippians. I'm trying to tell you, I'm not with you, I'm not pastoring you. I started a church, I'm no longer there. My life has now got me locked up in this prison because I'm trying to do right. But while I'm sitting in this cell writing this letter, I'm thinking about you, and I thank God for you. And when I talk to God about you, I ask him stuff about you and I ask him with joy because I have fun asking God to bless you because you've lived in a way that makes it fun asking God to bless you. What is my prayer for reoccurrence? We'll close here. My prayer for reoccurrence, my pleasant remembrance, my personal response is all because of your partnering relationship. It's because of the relationship we have, Philippians. What, 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 what kind of hookup you and the Philippians have, Paul? I mean, what kind of friends are you all? What, what provides depth to a relationship? Oh, I'm teaching now. Because I'm, I'm trying to teach some of y'all how you can still be friends in six months and get off that carousel. I, I, I'm just try, I'm trying to put some meat on the bone you call friendship so that you can still eat off of it in three months when you're not playing on the same team, working at the same job, sitting beside the same cubicle or, or, or in the same church. I'm talking when the military stations you in another place and, and your college has you in another city and, and your life doesn't have you sitting in the same zip code. There's a depth in your friendship that can outlast long distance phone calls. Fellowship and the gospel. He says, he said, we got a common friendship. I know, I know. His, the problem is colloquialism has, has, has messed up correctness. You, you know what I'm saying? I'm saying words, when they first originated meant something but over time culture has colloquialized them and now they mean what they've evolved to mean not what they actually mean y'all don't know what I'm talking about I'm just saying when I say fellowship y'all think about Krispy Kreme fried chicken ice cream that's what okay that's what I really was trying to say I'm saying we've taken Bible words that God means something for and we've made them what we mean them to mean so when we say we fellowship that means you go buy some food I buy some food we sit down talk about sports kick our feet up and have fellowship but when Paul said fellowship he wasn't talking about donuts and fried chicken he was talking about a united participation in something that both of us have in common it ain't chicken ain't donuts ain't sweet tea and it ain't sports it's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Jesus Christ. 
And it's what gives depth to our friendship. I hate to bust your bubble, but you are not deep friends with anybody that you don't fellowship in the gospel. You may be tight and you may be tight, but you ain't tight as tight really was meant to be unless you're tight at the thing that means most to the heart of God. And I'll tell you what to keep you two friends 20 years from now if both of you hook up on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and employ the passion of your life to propagate that message as often as you can. common friendship and your continued faithfulness from the first day until now. Here's what Paul said. You all didn't jump in the race and sprint at the beginning all fast and fall out on the second lap. You didn't, you didn't jump in this thing all aggressive, and fizzle out in time. He said, from the day I arrived in Philippi, you signed on to gospel work. And all the way until now when I'm in this jail cell, you're still faithful. Pray for me, Pastor. Pray for me. Pray my strength in the Lord. I'm going through a whole lot. There's a lot going on in my life. And, and by the way, spend this week and find me three people in their right mind who actually tell the truth, who don't have a lot going on in their life. We live in, we live in the end times. If you wake up and have oxygen in your lungs, plan on having a lot going on in your life. Amen. It is what it is. But ain't nothing going on in your life more important than the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, here it is. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Come on, let's define the gospel. The death. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. The gospel's in the Bible, but not everything in the Bible is the gospel. The gospel's not the whole Bible. The Bible contains the gospel. The gospel is the good news that's contained in the Bible, and 1 Corinthians defines it unambiguously. It's the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you had five minutes with one individual in, in their whole lifetime, and you had one message to share, don't scratch your head or Google what to share with someone if you have five minutes. I can tell you, it's the gospel. So when Paul says your fellowship is in the gospel, it means we're still friends even though I'm not in Philippi anymore because you and I signed on to something that will connect us until the trumpet sounds. And because we're connected, fully engaged in gospel, that means we're telling people about Jesus, we're living like we know Jesus, we're passing out tracts, we're giving to missions. Come on, say amen, this is all gospel work. He says, because of that, 
And because you did it when I got to Philippi, and you're still doing it now while I'm in prison, I'm stuck up in this prison cell, but I'm thinking about y'all getting happy, and my prayer time to God is not spent 30 minutes saying, God, have mercy on them, get them back right with you, bring them out of their sin, get them to wake up, get out the pig. No, my joy is asking God to bless you, and I can ask him with an excited spirit because I know if he blesses you, he's going to bless people who will use their blessing to make them better, better gospel workers. Wow, this is exposition from the word. This is why he says more and more. Here's what he's saying. I want more and more out of people. You don't want more out of people that are doing bad with what they have. He said, I want more in you because I know if you have more love, you're going to have more gospel. And if you give more gospel, more people are going to get, folks, let's not, math is not that complicated in some respects. If you want the whole world to be saved, you need to get the saved people getting the world saved. And the more people that get saved, the more people you have to help others get saved. And Paul says, how I pray for you is determined. By how you fellowship in the gospel. I hope, I hope that people in this church who sometimes are laid up in the hospital, sick, providentially disallowed to be here through circumstances that, that won't allow them. I hope some of our older folks that are in nursing homes or are struggling or, or can't get to the building every day. I hope that people who are older who can't do what they used to do. I hope that my life causes them to have joy every time they remember me. And I hope that you hope the same thing for yourself. Our Father, thank you. Help us, God. Paul said, I thank my God. Help us to be a reason for someone's gratitude. Help us not to be a, a discouragement, to, to a distraction. Please help us. Here's my eyes closed. Pastor, I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. I believe the gospel. It changed my life. I'm saved. Would you raise your hand all over the building? God bless you. I'm saved. Put your hand down. Pastor, I want my life to be the cause of someone's gratitude to God. I want to live in a way that makes people thank God when they think about me. And I've got some work to do if that's the case. Pray for me. That's you. Thank you for your honesty all over the building. God bless you. Yeah, we should want it. I don't want to be a discouragement. Last question. Your hands can be lowered. Pastor, I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven. Please listen to the question. But I'm, I'm sure I don't want to go to hell. I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven. But I'm sure I do not want to go to hell. No one looking around, please. Please pray for me. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven. But I'm, I'm sure I don't want to die and go to hell. Please pray for me. Would you let me pray for you? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate your hand. Someone else? Anyone else? We want you saved. I mean, it's the best thing for you. What kind of good Christian don't want other people to get saved? God, 
Now, Father, help your people. Touch your people. Speak to us. Use us. May our lives be a stimulus for gratitude. And in the lives of people, especially those who are struggling. In Jesus' name. Is there any better textbook than the Bible teaching us why will we live?